You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we are closing in on some NFL football. We got some college football to chew on today. I'm sitting here watching Utah State versus Iowa just because I want to catch a couple glimpses of Cooper DeGene. That's the best I can come up with, waiting for that Badger game to come on. But uh, we can talk a little bit more about those things as they continue on, learn about some of these college prospects and whatnot. But Thursday is the Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs, and I so unbelievably, desperately desire for the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the living daylights out of Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. Please, oh please, oh please, let that be a thing. I want this to start off right. If the Lions end up beating the Chiefs, this is going to suck. As much as I dislike the Chiefs and it would be funny haha, that's not how I want the season to start. Because the Vikings have basically an auto win. And if we start with the Packers being 0-1 and the other teams being 1-0, I'm, I'm just going to freak out. I'm not really going to freak out, but I'm going to be a little depressed. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Packers are the better team and I think the Chiefs are the better team. So should be Vikings-Packers at 1-0 to start the season. However, there is some, although maybe not super surprising news, relatively unfortunate news coming our way uh, via Chris Jones. Here is Tom Pelissero. NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero is with us to talk about the other side of the football. What's the latest with Chris Jones? Well, Mike, Chiefs coach Andy Reid reiterated today there has been no communication with Chris Jones, who has been absent throughout the course of training camp as he continues to await a new contract. Reid also said whatever happens, happens, and if he's not there, the show will go on. Jones is due close to $20 million in the last year of his contract. He has made abundantly clear that he wants a new deal at a time that the defensive tackle market is exploding. Jones posted pictures on his Instagram today, him smoking a cigar in a pool, seems to not have a care in the world at a time that he has racked up close to $2 million in fines. Once he begins missing games, that tag would go up to over $1 million per week missed. At this point, we're six days out from the opener. Virtually no chance Chris Jones, even if he were to show up come Wednesday or Thursday, would actually be ready to play in that game. Jones said previously he's willing to sit out until week eight, will continue to await word, and so will the Chiefs, since apparently they really haven't heard from him. Yeah, these games just as important in week one as they are in six, seven, and eight, and so forth here. This Chiefs team certainly could use him on the defensive side. Now, you probably know if you've been here for a while that I've never really been very impressed with the Kansas City Chiefs defensive personnel, ever. They've got, this is just going off PFF here, a couple of decent corners. Sneed, ranked 13th. McDuffie, ranked 16th. That's decent for sure. Now, Sneed kind of had a bit of a breakout year, which means there could be some regression there, and McDuffie was a rookie, which, I mean, could be a good sign, I suppose, for them. The bigger issue is that they have no pass rush. Their starting pass rusher that is the best is Mike Dana. He had a 67 overall grade, 
a 66 pass rush grade and ranked 50th among edge rushers. That's their best guy on the entire front. After that, um, they've got a guy who had a 55 PFF grade. After that is uh, second-year player George Karloftis. He had a 50 PFF grade. He ranked uh, 110th out of 119 edge rushers. That's their, that's their number two edge rusher. We have six edge rushers that are probably better than Karloftis. And then, number four is Mr. Derek Nadi. He had a 37 PFF grade and ranked, uh, what's he at here, 119th out of 127 defensive tackles. These guys suck. They suck. And so best case scenario, they've got some decent corners, some decent DBs, but there's no pass rush. And they're going up against one of the premier offensive lines in football. So they will generate no pressure on Jared Goff. And the, the Lions should be able to essentially run at will. So that just kind of sucks. And I have no idea what, what the problem is or where, where the dollars are at. I'm, I'm dead serious when I say if Chris Jones wants $30 million a year, you give him $30 million a year. I think the bare minimum you pay a guy like that is about $28 million a year. Bare minimum. Give the man his freaking money. I mean, listen, <laughs> I know you got some expensive pieces there, but you don't have that many pieces. Again, who, who is next on this list of people just on defense that need to get paid? There's not a superstar anywhere. Even if McDuffie's a superstar, he's going into year two. It's going to be a long time before he gets a paycheck. Who else? Karloftis, who was terrible as a rookie? He was, he's just going into year two. Who in the world is going to be looking for a contract that's worth a big contract? Nobody. Nobody. I don't know the situation with Justin Reed. I don't know if, if they're going to end up paying him a big amount. Maybe they already did. I don't know. But you, you have no superstars on your defense except for this guy, and you won't pay him. Because what? Screw defense or what? I mean, I, I guess I get it. That's how you've won Super Bowls. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just saying I can see a path for the Lions here. The Chiefs have a, a, a solid interior, but their tackles, like Jawan Taylor, is an absolute disgrace. And if Aiden Hutchinson can even just replicate what he did last year, much less take a step, that's going to be a problem. The, the Lions have upgraded their, their DBs. I mean, they got Brian Branch, who they seem to be really, really excited about. Um, they brought in Cam Sutton, who is very up and down, but uh, as far as his ceiling is concerned, I mean, heck, who, 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 do, who do the Chiefs even have at wide receiver? Sky Moore was not good last year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Otherwise, they've got Kadarius Toney in the slot, who... Um, I mean, he, he, he has never even been ranked in his first two years because he has never played enough snaps in two years to be ranked. So I don't know exactly what we're doing with him. Your running back is not good at football at all. I will never understand. I mean, I, I do understand. Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. But this team is lacking so much talent. I saw somebody post, I think I know who it was, but I won't name names or whatever, but... They posted something to the effect of, like, this, this is a rebuild because they still don't have safeties. Something to that effect. Like, you know, they invested in, in all these groups, but they still haven't addressed the, the safety position, so it's, we're still in a bit of a rebuild. Bro, the, the, the Chiefs have been in a rebuild this entire time. They don't have offensive tackles! They don't have wide receivers! They don't have one! They don't have one! They don't have a running back! They have nobody on their defensive front right now. Not an edge rusher, not a defensive tackle, nobody worth a damn. 
Reed, their safety, their superstar safety, ranked 32nd in the NFL. Their other safety ranked 67th in the NFL out of 88. Their best linebacker ranked 12th. I mean, how many positions do they have that's better than what we have? Not very many. But man, they just keep freaking winning. This is also, again, why I get so annoyed with the sort of anti-Gudikons. Well, you, you, we still have an issue here or here. Like, we have like the best wide receiver in football, but we don't have a number two. The Chiefs gave away the best wide receiver in football, and they won a Super Bowl. But we didn't win because we don't have a rookie number two wide receiver. How about knock off the freaking excuses? Good Lord. I don't understand it. This wasn't the point of what we're doing. I just I get so angry every time I look at the Chiefs because it's like, they suck. They suck. They suck. They suck. And you know what? This defense, almost every year, is better than our defense. They have nothing. And maybe, listen, maybe Chris Jones is the reason. Same with the Rams. The Rams, you look at the Rams, like the Rams suck. They've never had edge rushers, but you know what they had? They had Aaron Donald. Maybe that's the secret. You get an elite guy in the middle of your defense, and, and you just everything else is fine. Maybe we should put Lucas Vadness in the middle. That's the only shot we got at an elite pass-rushing defensive tackle. Put him in there, see what he can do. Man, I hate the Chiefs so much. How are you so good? You don't have any football players. My goodness. Like, seriously, these guys wouldn't even make our 53. Also just makes you wonder what's missing, because the Lions are the same thing. You know, the Lions went on an absolute streak of destruction. They don't have a good quarterback. He ranked 20th last year. They have a good offensive line, but it is overrated. Genuinely is. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong, it's good, but it is not like far and away the best offensive line. Nobody can touch it. I think the Packers' offensive line is arguably better. They have one wide receiver and nothing else, right? I mean, it's Kind of like the Packers situation with Devontae, but worse. They don't have a tight end. They have a terrible defense. They were better than us last year. What the heck is that? Man, I just, I just, I get so unbelievably annoyed with the complete lack of potential. Or the, the, the complete inability to reach potential for this football team. There's no excuse for this not being a top three defense. With a number one offensive line and the number one running back duo... Whatever, I, I, I just, I get, uh, I get a little upset, that's all. It's gonna be fine, it's gonna be fine. They shouldn't be so good, it's gonna be fine, though. Oh, look at that. 58 seconds ago, according to Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, the Kansas City Chiefs have offered a $74 million contract over the next three years to Chris Jones. $70 million would be guaranteed. Wait a minute. You're offering this man less than $25 million? See, I was listening to a podcast today, and they were kind of talking about this a little bit. It's actually the over the, the uh, over the cap podcast, I think. But he's talking about the Chris Jones thing and said that it's it's kind of tough because defensive tackles are put into a defensive tackle category when really there's there's a blurring of the lines between edge and defensive tackle. When you're a guy like Chris Jones and you are as disruptive as a premier edge rusher on the outside, you're going to expect to get paid as such. Whereas teams might look at you and say, "Nah." Here's the defensive tackle market, right? And, and it gets blurred because what is a defensive tackle? It's kind of like receiving tight ends or things of that nature, right? If you're Travis Kelsey, you probably want to get paid like a premier wide receiver. You want a contract that's pushing 30. Granted, the $30 million are kind of fake. But still, give me, the, give me the big number that says 30, which really means 22, but just give it to me. It's another thing you talked about on the on the show, how Devontae's contract, which is like $30 million, is really like $22 million. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off, but that, that seems to be... If, if that's the going rate, I'd, I'd be on the phone right now 
which is probably illegal, but I would find a way to get a message to Chris Jones and just say, do not take that deal. We will pay you more. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I promise you, there's more money out there, and we will give it to you. Please don't take that deal. By the way, all this aside, just so we're all clear, I don't want him to go back. I mean, I don't want him to be a bear, but he, he had mentioned that he could sit out until like week eight. Not entirely sure the significance other than uh, their bye week. Maybe that's the trade deadline. I don't know. But that's a lot of L's, dude. A lot of potential L's. I know they can probably win without him, but I'm telling you, that guy is big time. Also, we play the Chiefs in week 13. Now, if he comes back, great. If he doesn't, whatever. You know what actually would really suck? The Lions play him week one, the Bears week three, the Vikings week five. If he sits out for those games and then comes back to play us, that wouldn't be very nice. I don't know, man. I want the Chiefs to suck. That's all I know. But I do need them to beat the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings. So just just freaking figure it out, will ya? All right, I don't know what I want anymore. I guess just come back. Take as much money as you can away from the Kansas City Chiefs so that they don't have any money. Beat the living daylights out of the Lions, Bears, and uh, Vikings. And we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Anyway, speaking of the Detroit Lions, apparently there are some really good conversations going on between the Lions and Jared Goff on a contract extension. Lions general manager Brad Holmes has revealed that the team is engaged in productive discussions with quarterback Jared Goff regarding a possible contract dis, uh, extension. At first I thought it was kind of stupid that they would even consider that um, because they clearly need to move on. But at the same time, it does feel like the Lions are probably going to be stuck in that death cycle for a little bit of a while. They aren't going to be picking top 10. So they're not going to be getting any of these top quarterbacks. They either find a way to win with what they have, or they need to just be bad. And it really feels like they're getting into that Minnesota Vikings death spiral where they've got Kirk Cousins, who's good, not great, right? Top 10, probably about 10th. Right? He's okay, he's good, he's solid. But he's not like elevating you. You really need a him and a pretty high-quality team. And honestly, they've had that in the past. They had a dominant defense and a really solid offense and still couldn't get it done. So as much as I'm not looking forward to a very formidable Lions team for the foreseeable future, knowing that they're going to be a team that picks probably between 12 and 25 forever, I, I can live with that. I like with the Lions sitting in the basement, but I mean, they got to get out of there once in a while. So good, good. Find, you know, pay Goff, pay him even more money, get that contract up, keep him in there until he's 40 for all I care. Now, this isn't saying it's necessarily going to happen, but when you got the uh, general manager saying we're having conversations and it's going really well, kind of think it might be coming down the pipe. And, and to be fair, they're probably going to want to wait and see how the season goes, but I don't think it's going to go poorly. Even if Goff regresses slightly, he's never really been much worse than he, than he was last year, and he's never really been that much better. Right? He has been better and worse, but not, not to a significant degree, unless we go back to his rookie season with uh, <laughs> freaking, what's his name, a head coach. Surprisingly, Jared Goff is just 29 years old. I actually thought he was older than that, which is even better news than I thought, because this could legitimately be like a really, really long-term thing. I mean, he could be their quarterback for the next, like, six years and only be 35 years old. They could legitimately give him a five-year extension. He's, he is with the Lions through 2024. They could make it go t through 2028. He'd be 34 years old. Over the cap has him valued at $33 million, but he's not going to get that. He's going to get a lot more than that. 
if the Lions are committing to him as a franchise quarterback, he's going to be pushing 40. I mean, considering 50 is top end, there's no way it's less than 40. It may even be more than that. So I'm I'm all for it. As much as it would be nice for them to to take a swing at a quarterback and get rid of kind of kind of similar to the Vikings, right? Like I I want them to get a new quarterback because it's unlikely he's going to be as good as Cousins, although it's going to be scary. But it would be nice for them to just have a trash quarterback. I kind of want that for the Lions. Just get rid of the stable quarterback that you have in Goff and go swing at somebody that's just terrible. Go get you a Mac Jones or something or a Daniel Jones for that matter. But I'll take it. I really will. And we'll see how it goes. Other Lions news, they're, they're coming into this relatively healthy. Isaiah Bugs is, as of right now, the only person um, who is potentially not going to play. We'll see how that goes as the week carries on, but that's as it is, and Isaiah Bugs is not um, necessarily a very useful, helpful person. Just as a note, this seems to mostly be true for the Minnesota Vikings as well. Um, TJ Hawkinson's dealing with some stiffness in his back. Lewis Seen's got some soft tissue stuff, but it sounds like, as far as the relevant pieces, that they're mostly healthy. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break right here. Thank you very much to the one and only Thomas Austin for jumping in on Patreon. And again, please do not forget to check out Old Southern Barbecue at OldSouthernBBQ.com. That's OldSouthernBBQ.com. They've got restaurants out in Minnesota, Shakopee, Arden Hills, Minneapolis, and in Hudson, Wisconsin. So if you're in those areas, please stop in. Otherwise, do not forget to check out their seasonings, their barbecue sauces. And if you're feeling a little frisky for a party, they're willing and able and fully capable of making it the absolute best Packers party you've ever had. Now, I mentioned that this stuff was really, really good. Just to back that up, National Barbecue Association Award of Excellence winners The Dixie Red Barbecue Sauce that I talked about got first place. The Steak and Butter Seasoning that made my wife not a vegetarian for a few minutes, first place. Grill and Chicken Seasoning, second place. This is not just some run-of-the-mill fast food barbecue joint. This is legit stuff. So it's really, really inexpensive. I know I've been trolling all up and down Amazon looking for rubs and sauces and whatnot, and I know it's wildly expensive. You can grab a barbecue sauce for $5.99 or a rub for $4.99 or get one of their combination gift boxes, have it sent directly to your house. Please do me a favor and check that out. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So turning it back to Packers Bears, there's an article here via sportsmockery.com covering a quote from Justin Fields essentially saying that Luke Getze will be giving Justin Fields more control over this offense. Luke Getze wants Fields to take ownership of the offense. Here's part of that quote. This is Justin Fields. He says, I think Mooney said something uh, the other day about me being able to control our two-minute drill in practice. Luke will just have that be on me. So he'll just call the first play, and then we're on the ball, and he'll just leave it up to me what plays I want to call. Then, even before a drive, like in the last game, he was just asking me what pass plays I like. Boom, what I want to run. I told him, this play, this play, this play, and he ran all of them. So it's just that trust between us. The biggest thing is just that trust between each other and him knowing I'm going to take care of the ball, make a good decision, and not hurt the team. So we've gotten to the point now where the coach is like, I don't know, dude, what 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 can you do? <laughs> you tell me what thing you think you can do, and we'll just do that. Oh, man, I cannot. I just, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need this game to start. I am not happy that it's not a, a noon game. Another article on the same website. This is from the Bears blog. Stuff I hear talking to folks around the Chicago Bears. So this is kind of a people in and around the building kind of a thing. Number one, fields in total command of the team since spring. There will be grand disappointment if that doesn't translate to Sundays. Remember what I said about the fan base completely losing their mind? It goes deeper than just the fan base. This entire franchise is built around Justin Fields. And now there is this massive amount of hype, this, this chemistry between Fields and DJ Moore and all this stuff. There will be grand disappointment if that doesn't translate to Sundays. This entire team is about to shut down. The Packers have the ability to break this franchise. Just beat them week one. Our defense in particular. Make Justin Fields look bad. And this locker room. You got to remember, too, we, we haven't talked about it in a while, but this locker room is trash. Like, you know, they obviously will not admit it. But this is not a healthy locker room at all. And this goes back a ways, right? We, we had a ton of guys just asking to get out of that, off that team, to, wanting to be traded, asking to be traded. They just wanted to get out of Chicago. T- players don't want to be there. Then last year, there's this new revived hope. Oh, Justin Fields is going to make everything better. We got a new coaching staff. It's going to make everything better. And you still had people wanting out. You got Roquan Smith wanting out and uh, Akeem Hicks wanting out. And then they go through the season, they win three freaking games, and you got guys like your number one running back, who you try to give a contract to, and he says, no, I don't want to be here, send me somewhere else, and they send him to the Lions, again, this whole thing about, well, you'd never send him in the division, bullcrap, send him to the Lions, and then he makes a comment about, it feels good to be in a place where they actually care about winning, something to that effect. So they're already kind of broken. Now they've got this off-season hype going, they're all jacked up, like, oh, it's going to be different this year. That can go away real fast, because this is very, very fake. Everything about it is fake. This, this, this stadium in Chicago is going to be probably about as loud as it's ever been since that NFC Championship game. It is going to be freaking absolutely insane, out of control. This fan base has not been this fired up for a game probably since Double Doink. I so desperately want to suck the air right out of them. Anyways, there's more. Let's continue. Another thing that uh, he's hearing, 
lot of optimism around the offensive line, especially when they get Jenkins fit. Hilariously, that is one area where I think, um, first of all, they're talking about future optimism, right? Somewhere down the line, this rookie is going to become good, and somewhere down the line, Tevin Jenkins might come back healthy and actually play, and, and somewhere down the line, Cody Whitehair will be able to play center and maybe can return to his former glory, although that's probably not going to happen. And somewhere down the line, our right guard will actually have played a couple games because this guy's basically been away from the team the entire time. Nate Davis is just like, look, you can pay me and I'll come play for you, but don't ask me to come there because I'm just not doing jack squat. I don't care. (laughs) What a trash, trash situation. And then the final note, serious concerns about the defensive line. Well, duh. In fact, that was one of the things that I'd heard on the podcast is... They talked specifically about, I mean, we know the pass rush isn't great, but specifically about run defense. And that when um, the starters were in there, they did a decent job against Buffalo. But as soon as the backups, who both of them are rookies, by the way, came in, it was just gash city. It was absolute gash city. Just getting thrown around like nothing. And here's one of the other things that's kind of interesting. There's a lot of debate about some of the guys that were brought in and some of the guys that were let go, especially on the edge for Chicago. And it seems as though they made some decisions in terms of, like, these will be the pass rushers and these will be the run defenders. So first questionable decision is getting rid of pass rushers in favor of guys that are better at run defense because our other pass rushers are so terrible at it. The other problem, though, is you can't have them both out there on the same side at the same time. You either have pass rushers that are mediocre pass rushers that are terrible against the run, like Yannick Ngakwe, or you have these subpar run defenders who couldn't rush a passer to save their lives. You know, they can change the call at the line of scrimmage. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. But, you know, you do you. But even if you look at these, def- these rookie defensive tackles, Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter are the two guys. I think I've talked about Dexter already. Uh, Bears fans hyping him up like he's the next big thing, and he was actually really terrible. But he had a 47 run defense grade. Zach Pickens had a 55 run defense grade. That is their number three and four defensive tackle, which is staggering because their number one defensive tackle for this team that supposedly made massive upgrades across the board. Their top defensive tackles are Justin Jones and Andrew Billings. Justin Jones ranked 121st out of 141 defensive tackles. This dude is horrific. He's so bad. And he's their starting defensive tackle lining up next to their nose tackle, Andrew Billings. This team is a disgrace. I mean, they just are. If the Packers lose this game, it's, it's, it's a... Uh, it's going to be a pretty sickening display because there's just nothing really redeemable here. They have a top 25 wide receiver in DJ Moore and nothing else. Braxton Jones is decent. Otherwise, the offensive line is eh. Cole Komet is as mediocre as they come. Khalil Herbert was their backup last year. It's just there, There's just nothing here, man. Uh, a couple of injury things here. Uh, Bears are in wait-and-see mode with Jaquan Brisker. That's going to be somewhat of a big one. Jaquan Brisker was not as good as his early season hype. We've talked about this already. There was a ton of high. I mean, he had some highlights coming out real early. Um, starting to look like Brisker was going to be one of the premier guys in the NFL or something, and it just didn't super materialize. It doesn't mean it can't, but it didn't. Brisker ranked 46th. So it's not so much that, well, it's not that big of a loss if, if you know, whatever, playing because he wasn't that good anyways. Because the question is, yeah, but who comes in after him? They've only got four safeties on the roster. They've got Eddie Jackson, Jaquan, who's in question, 
and then 2022 seventh round pick Elijah Hicks, and then 2023 undrafted free agent Quindell Johnson. That's it. You've got a seventh rounder with one year of experience and an undrafted free agent this year as their only safeties if Jaquan Brisker doesn't play. So it's a big deal. I think he's going to, but it's absolutely, well, as they said, it's wait and see. Here's what they have to say about it. It's the status of second-year safety Jaquan Brisker that is a concern with the week one opener right around the corner. Brisker suffered a soft tissue injury this summer, which held him out the last three weeks. Head coach Matt Eberflus indicated Brisker faces some important days of rehab ahead, uh, heading into the weekend, where Wednesday should be an indicator of whether Brisker will be ready for the opener. So Wednesday's the big day. He's been in practice just kind of off to the side doing his rehab stuff, but... um, That'll be when we get a good indication. And again, that's that's a big deal. Not even, you know, Brisker in and of himself could be a dangerous player. You take a guy who is a early round rookie, who has some really nice highlights, who graded out fairly well for a first year rookie. All the indications are there for a potential jump. If he's not there and we're going up against a second year, seventh round pick, good Lord. On the negative side of things, we got some news on Rashawn Gary. Now, the the big positive here is that Rashawn Gary's going to play. We got to remember that in my mind anyways, there was very little chance he was going to play. I just didn't think it was going to happen. I was a little gun shy with David Bakhtiari and everything else. I guess I probably shouldn't have been, but fantastic news that he will be playing. However, according to Matt LaFleur, Rashawn Gary is going to be on a snap count or a pitch count, whatever you want to call it. Now, this isn't that big of a deal because, again, the Packers already do a fairly heavy rotation, and we know that this is one of our deeper positions, although he is absolutely the most critical. The fact of the matter is we're going to do with him what we've seen happen many times in the past. We saw our team do it with Zadarius and stuff where we had Garvin and Hamilton on the field, and they would just stay out there until like a critical third down, and then you'd see Zadarius or, or Preston and, uh, and Rashawn or whoever, whatever the combination was in that particular year they would come out. And I think that's what we're going to see. You're probably going to see Rashawn start, then there's going to be a decent rotation, and I think they're probably going to try to keep him fresh for later in the game and more critical, you know, third down situations. Which which honestly is not the worst thing in the world. I mean, granted, you'd love him out there to be an impact more often than not. But keeping Rashawn Gary fresh so that in the fourth quarter or third quarter, whatever it is, in these critical situations, he is 100% ready. And, and by the way, they're not putting him on a snap count because he's injured or slow or any of that. They're just worried. They don't want him to hurt himself or aggravate anything. So he's perfectly healthy and ready to play. And they're putting him on a pitch count, which means he is going to be perfectly fresh. We're going to get a better version of Rashawn in those situations than what would be the alternative. So... Somewhat of a negative, but not the worst thing in the world, depending on how much of a snap count reduction they're going to have him on. As for the betting, it's still holding strong at minus one. I'm wondering if maybe the weekend has something to do with that. I'm not entirely sure. I'm I'm kind of new to watching something this closely as far as the betting lines and whatnot, but um, we'll see. I'm keeping an eye on it. Bears are still one-point favorites. The the money is massively... um, It was 50-50 Bears-Packers. It's now 51%. For the Packers, but the money is 81% on Green Bay compared to 19% on the Chicago Bears. So again, remember, they're trying to balance this out a little bit, because if you have 81% of the money on Green Bay, and Green Bay wins, this is where you potentially, as as an entity, Vegas, casino, whatever, start losing money. Now, it's not quite as lopsided as uh, Titan Saints, where 97% of the money is on the Titans. My goodness. That's wild. 
But it is a uh, extremely lopsided situation. By the way, Jets Bills. The Bills right now are two and a half point favorites over the Jets. Seventy five percent of the bets and eighty five percent of the money is on Buffalo. So even hard knocks is not swaying people <laughs> toward the Jets. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised by this. The the fact that the Bills are our favorites outright, and the fact that almost none of the money is going toward the Jets. Even with two and a half points. Looking at that Chiefs game, they are six and a half point favorites. Talking about the Chiefs, so that's great news. Pretty big for uh, for week one. In fact, it is one, two, three, like the fourth biggest of any of the games. You've got Commander seven point favorites over the Cardinals. <laughs> the poor Cardinals, man. I got to set up a Survivor League, and my strategy is to just pick whatever team is playing the Cardinals. The freaking Commanders who nobody cares about, are about as mediocre... They have been, like, the epitome of mediocre for I don't know how long. They are seven-point favorites against another team in Week 1. And they started as six-point favorites. Ravens, nine-and-a-half-point favorites over the Texans. And the stupid Minnesota Vikings are six-point favorites over the Buccaneers. can take a closer look at that as we get closer to that game. But anyways, that's all I got for you today. Keep it short and sweet. Keep you up to date on the very little news that's coming in. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.